Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a guy who loves wrestling with God, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Yo, Irish. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You ready for a little wrestling here today, oh, Father Len? I'm ready. Throw you're, it all, Throw you're always ready, right? Yeah, I am. Well, so, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to actually continue our series of episodes on one of your favorite subjects. The symbols that God gave us in the Bible that guide the way we worship and help us understand what it means to be a human being. And you've often told me that you love these symbols because they grab your gut and your heart uh, in a way that intellectual knowledge and understanding just can't. So what symbol would you like to reveal and explain today, Father Len? I would like to talk about trees. Trees? Trees? Are- Trees are a big theme in the Bible, and not only in the Bible, it's actually supposed to be playing out in our spirituality. So if you read the Bible just as a how-should-you-behave rule book, you'll miss the vast majority of the Bible, even though you've read the words. Well, that may, um, that, that, that may describe some of my reading. I'm not sure I noticed a lot of trees in the Bible, really, oh, to be honest. It is, it is all over. It is all, all right. over. Well, let's God hear it. Keeps, God keeps repeating these themes and symbols in the Bible from beginning to end and just over and over and over again. And we use those themes in the mass and Catholic architecture. We pick up and act out all these biblical themes and the tree of life. It plays all through scriptures and is acted out in mass and through Catholic architecture. In fact, you know, guess what? Guess what? The third most common thing in the Bible that's mentioned in the Bible. What do you think that is? Well, you're probably going to tell me trees. Uh, you're brilliant. It's trees. You, oh, know, you think it's going to be something like sheep or I don't know. Uh, well, but if it's I trees. If we didn't know the subject of what you were talking about, I wouldn't have known what the third most, I wouldn't have known that, Father. Well, I'd I like have to, to admit. throw slow pitches at you, really yeah, that, slow. That was a very slow one. I could hit that out of the park. But if you highlighted the word tree in the Bible, you would see this forest of trees that God has devoted uh, to biblical real estate. So trees are mentioned more than anything else, more than all other animals combined. God loves trees. God so loved trees that he gives them a ring on their birthday. And it's (laughs) odd because, you know, you can randomly open up any page of the Bible, and there'll be a reference to a tree. So God has trees on the brain. So this odd thing is that, well, first, trees are a metaphor for human beings. So right from the book of beginning of Genesis, God tells the trees in the garden to be fruitful. So he tells the trees in the garden to be fruitful, and he tells the human beings to be fruitful. God plants the trees, but also God plants human beings in the garden. And more importantly, trees are the places where human beings must choose God or to reject God. So trees also happen when people make covenants to God. Also, uh, the human spiritual life is like a tree. It mentions this in the Bible, that The spiritual life is not just having your roots stay up on the surface where the rainwater is, 
but prayer is pushing the your roots down to find the water of life in the subterranean. And I, mm. I love that image. And so tree is on the first page of the Bible. It mentions a tree. So and, are you are, are you going to explain, like you said, yeah. trees represent choices in life? And, oh, yeah. And, and yeah. two or three other things. You're going to explain that. Yeah. Okay. You have to understand every major event in the Bible has a tree creation, Abraham, the overthrowing of Pharaoh, the building of the temple that requires multiple trees. Even the high priest in the Bible is dressed up like a tree entering heaven. There's a tree. Uh, So this sounds kind of strange. You find trees everywhere. And this is even more interesting. Every major character in the Bible is kind of associated with the tree, albeit the type of tree changes with each person. So Adam and Eve, it's the fig tree, you know, that's what they're charged to take care of. And they walked out of it. Abraham is an oak tree. Noah is a gopher tree or, or an olive tree. Jacob has his vision under an almond tree. Joseph is called a tree. David is a cedar. Zacchaeus is a sycamore tree. And the Virgin Mary, an Arcadia tree. Now, I kind of wondered what kind of tree am I, and I think I'm some sort of thorn tree. But A anyhow. thorn, so you're prickly. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Jesus loves to pick up on the tree theme, like grapevines and olive trees. The only thing Jesus actually ever harms is a fruitless tree. That really ticks him off. Um, and so you kind of have to kind of, well, why haven't I heard more sermons on trees? And that's a really good question. Or even like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, who in their stories are kind of Christian things. In their stories, good people love trees and evil ones destroy trees. And the irony is we would die without trees from lack of oxygen. But trees would be quite happy without us. Now, (laughs) to see the theme of tree in the Bible, it's a little bit hidden. Well, it's hidden in English. So sometimes the word is slightly hidden, like Noah's Ark is made of ets of trees, and then the tree becomes a boat, and the boat becomes an altar. And so you have to understand, it's the word ets in Hebrew that keeps coming up, or Jesus is called a branch from a tree that was cut down. So the Bible begins with the tree of life, the Bible ends with the tree of life, and it's filled with trees all through the Bible. So as I said, the word for tree in Hebrew is etz, but it's very flexible. It also could mean wood. And the odd part is a tree is not only a symbol of human beings, but trees also are a symbol of God. Or a tree also is me- sometimes meant to be an idol. An idol is a false tree. Also, this is, gets a little confusing. When it says bush in the Bible, sometimes a bush is actually just a small tree. So you have the tree of life. You have the burning bush. Actually, it's just a small tree, so it's a burning tree. The cross, believe it or not, is called a tree. Isaac carries an ix, a tree. They they use the word tree when he carries it to a sacrifice. So in the Bible, you have trees all over the place. But anything that has bark is considered a tree. tree. So the odd part is like you have to think differently. A grapevine, we'd call a grape grapevine vine. Uh, In the Hebrew thought, it's a tree. 
it has bark on it. So technically the grape is a tree. So you have a vineyard of grapes that look like little trees because you know how they, they prune them. So that's actually uh, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That deals with a tree image, not vine as we would think. Yeah, um, I'm, I, now I, all of a sudden I'm starting to recognize the trees in the Bible, just having you mention all these. You know, that, that's, that's interesting. I so didn't like, realize that yeah, how like, often they show up. In English, you'll see Moses throws this piece of wood into this water to purify it, except in the Hebrew, he doesn't throw a piece of wood. He throws a tree. So that keeps coming up. So like you have all these things. God made human beings. God made trees from the ground to the earth. So the story of human history is also basically this. It's choosing between two trees the whole Bible is that way. You have to go back to the Garden of Eden. Now, the Garden of Eden has the tree of life in it, just to make this clear. Also, at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation has the tree of life. The Garden of Eden also has the water of life, and the book of Revelation also has the water of life. So it's kind of this connection. And trees and human beings need the water of life to survive. And like trees, we're supposed to bear fruit. God really wants us to bear fruit. So in Hebrew, to be fruitful is actually to be rooted, where your roots have pushed down to the source of water. To be superficial is have your roots just very shallow. But you know, during the dry seasons, the hard time of life, that means you're going to dry up too. So deeply rooted people are connected to the tree of life and that means we'll be bearing good fruit in all seasons of life. So you're saying that we want to dig deep or go deep to be connected to the source of life, which is God. That's kind of right. what you're saying here. Right. Okay. Right. So starting with this tree of life in Genesis, think about this. In the garden, there's two types of food. God says you can eat from any of the trees you want, except for one. So, there's other trees that have fruit on them that we can eat from. And that fruit, that only gives us physical life. But there's one tree in the middle, the tree of life. That fruit has some of God's own life in it. And that would give us spiritual life. So there's two types of food right from the beginning, just natural food and spiritual food. And when it comes to the tree of life, God actually repeats. He says the word eat, eat. Not just eat it, but hmm. kind of repeats, eat, eat. So that means Adam and Eve are commanded to enjoy the spiritual food of eternal life. And also God repeats the phrase, enjoy eternal life. But they choose a paltry life. You know the story, Satan convinces Adam and Eve that, yeah, God said that you'll die, but you won't die. If you eat this other tree, the tree yeah, that you eat from the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and selfishness. But it's kind of a trick because there's different types of death. Jesus used the image of a branch that is cut off from the vine. Well, it'll look alive for a while, but cut off from the branch, it'll eventually die. And so human beings cut off from the covenant with God. Uh, we'll languish for a while, but without being connected to the source of life, we will eventually die. And so 
there's this false image of the Garden of Eden that if human beings would have never sinned, that we would live forever. Technically, human beings can only live if they're connected to the tree of life. Only God is eternal. Eternal life is actually really rarely used in the biblical Hebrew. Uh, it'll say length of days, which means a long life. Eternal life, it is used in Genesis, but it's connected to the tree of life. And then it's picked up by Jesus in the gospel. The point being is that eating from the tree of life, that renews our life. That will give us eternal life, but it won't make us eternal. Only God is eternal. So we constantly have to feed on the tree of life. So for Adam and Eve, it wasn't just the fact that God said, don't eat from this this particular tree. That wasn't the main thing. It was that they became disconnected from the tree of life. Yeah. That's that, really what you're says, saying. Yeah. The death is being disconnected to the fruit that will give you spiritual life. Yep. You'll have, still have the physical food, but eventually you, you'll wither and fall apart. Got it. So you have these two trees. One is the tree of life. And the other one is the tree of knowing good and evil or knowing good and selfishness. So I, I love that because the temptation was the power to redefine what you call good. So I have a lot of good things in my life, but it's measured my ability to make evil. Like I consider vodka a very good thing, but... <laughs> You know, if you're not careful, it can be redefined as evil. Really, every good thing can turn to something bad. Religion is a good thing, but religion can turn bad. Uh, even motherhood. So when it says she looked at the fruit and the, of the tree of the good and evil, yeah, that's redefining. Human beings like to redefine what is good. So you're, talking about, says, you're talking about Eve there, when she looked yeah, at the tree, the fruit. Yeah, well, Adam and Eve both, but they're okay. standing together. Right. So God says, on the day that you eat the tree of good and selfishness, you will die, die. So I love the way he says, eat, eat with the tree of life. And, and die, die. Die, die. I mean, you just won't die. You'll die, die. <laughs> God does not say that God will kill them. God never says that. He says that the fruit of that tree, it will bring about death. Eating this fruit has consequences that will kill the relationship between them and God and even within themselves and within creation. You see the effect of hiding from each other. So once I eat this fruit, they hide from each other. They hide from God. They blame each other. But here's the really odd. In the garden, you can't just eat from that one tree. But here's the part that um, kind of drives me up the wall is that the two trees, they're right next to each other. So to eat from the tree of life, you have to make a choice between one of the two trees. You don't have to earn the fruit from the tree of life. God gives it, freely gives it to you. But you do need to choose not to do something, not to eat from that one tree. So you must choose you know, not to hate. You must choose a little bit of sacrifice and avoid that tree, a little bit of selfishness where you got to sacrifice. The choice is basically, am I going to define good or bad or am I going to listen to God? And eating from the tree of good and selfishness means that you get to define what is good and evil rather than God. 
Which is an instant disconnection from God. Right. Right. Exactly. So the point is, is that the meaning of the two trees is human beings have a choice between the tree of selfishness or the tree of life. All life is a choice between these two trees. So that theme is going to start in the beginning of Genesis, and it will continue all the way through. Human beings are always poised between the two trees. Um, And if you choose from the tree of life, then you'll eat the fruit of life. But the tree of life really in the Bible won't be revealed until the cross. So it's first revealed in Genesis, but then it's really revealed at the cross when the, the, the cross is called a tree. So the one tree we're waiting for is really the cross. And we eat from the cross. There's fruit on the cross and that's Christ. We eat that fruit at every mass. So like, For me, like I kind of jokingly think to myself about people who say that they worship at the foot of the cross or wear a cross around their neck. Cross is a tree, but we're supposed to eat from the tree, the cross, not just wear it around our neck. So like I love the idea that all life is simply the choice between two trees. So explain eating from the cross, Father Lynn. Oh, okay. So that might confuse some people, but why don't I mention that at the end? Can I mention that at the end? Could you re-bring that sure, question up sure, last? Sure. Because I want to just like continue this theme. I know this sounds kind of strange, but as you go through the Old Testament, there's always this tree, right? And when human, when Abraham or anybody makes a commitment to God, there's a tree there and an altar and water. So in the, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden was on top of a, a mountain And on top of the mountain, at the very center, was the tree of life. And the river of life flows out from there. So we always have this theme of the fruit of the tree, the tree, and water. Tree and water go together as well. And then human beings reject it. They choose a different tree. So after that, whether it's Abraham, there's a tree and water. With all the patriarchs, there's always this tree and water. But also, there's another choice. And the tree of good and selfishness, it also appears all through the Bible, but it, it appears in the form of idols. And I know this sounds kind of strange. So think about this. The Garden of Eden was on top of a mountain. That's called the high place. And when people would build an idol, they'd put an, the idol on what's called a high place. And they'd build an altar there. The idol is a false tree. Idols are false trees that are placed on high places. So when you hear God say, tear down their high places, which means the idols and altars that they've erected on the top of a mountain. So idols are kind of a false tree and anti-Eden. So Um, these, these idols basically represent us human beings making the choice between good and evil because we control the idol we decide what is good or bad the idol actually just symbolizes the tree of knowledge of good and selfishness really got got it you're picking that one so idolatry is building your own tree and creating your own version of eden based on your definition of morality And the whole history of Israel is this failure of setting up false trees. So in in Hebrew, I kind of like this. 
sometimes how they would call an idol, they'd call an idol a quote-unquote luxuriant tree, which in Hebrew, the letters for luxuriant tree is the Garden of Eden spelled backwards. Isn't that clever? So the word for an idol is a luxuriant tree, and backwards it spells the Garden of Eden. And a luxurious tree is, you know, power, sex, or wealth. It's a tree we create. And so I just love how, wow, an idol is a tree. And what they call an idol is the word, you know, Garden of Eden backwards. And an that idol is, is amazing. You know, an idol is supposed to bring a blessing that, oh, you know, if you eat from the tree of good and evil, you'll have a blessing. If you worship, you know, money, you'll be so happy. You know, sex will bring you eternal. But it's this clever word play that, wow, it doesn't create a Garden of Eden. It creates actually the opposite. Well, it creates chaos because then everyone's version of good and evil competes with each other. There's right. no and ultimate there's no ultimate decider of what is moral, what is right. It's whatever you think it is based on the situation you're in or how you want to define it. It always the, your addiction always promises you'll be happy but it leaves you destroyed. <laughs> yep. So this tree theme, it's always there. Like look at Noah. I and I don't want to go through the entire Bible, but Noah he's commanded to take a a gopher tree and make an ark and the the tree becomes the vehicle of god's salvation Not the ark but the mm -hmm. tree and he lands on top of a mountain think of eden on top of a mountain it's kind of this image of returning to the garden of eden that this tree the boat ends up on a top of a mountain and then the first thing noah does is take the tree and builds an altar and makes a sacrifice. Noah's the first person in the Bible to build an altar, and an altar and tree always go together. So Noah's altar and tree kind of become the same thing that creates this blessing. Or look at Abraham. So think about this. Altar and tree always go together. Abraham, when he makes his journey, at his first stop, the first thing Abraham does is enter the promised land and go to a tree and build an altar. And the name of that tree is called Vision. It was this oak tree. And Abraham had a vision from God about many descendants. But notice, once again, you have this theme of tree and altar and committing to a way of life. Abraham's second stop, the next thing he does is go to a high mountain remember a high place, to a tree and build an altar. What you notice is if you take this highlighter in the Bible that Abraham is going to a lot of trees building altars on top of mountains. Or the stop after that, he comes back to this mountain, goes to a tree and calls on the name of God. And just in case you missed it, the next stop, guess what he does? You'll never guess. He goes to the top of a mountain and he builds an altar and makes a promise to God. Like The theme is so obvious, tree and altar, top of mountain. But these trees don't represent just any tree. These are representing the tree of life, correct? Right. This isn't the tree of... Uh of you know good and evil and right, selfish no, yeah, it might you know it might be an oak tree but it doesn't matter the tree symbolizes commitment yep and Com commitment you know, to god right and the altar is the ritual around that commitment so anytime a tree shows up if it's a good tree it has this idea that now nah, i'm making a choice 
Now, I can go through that with Moses and the burning bush and water and all this stuff. Like Moses, same thing. Tree. And then uh, once he leaves, uh, he goes to a place that has 12 pools of water, oak trees and 70 palm trees. So the number 12 and 70 trees come up. Um, And I just mentioned that because, wow, you really start to notice that trees are all over the place. Every time somebody's making on the right path, you know, moving towards God or the promised land back to the garden of Eden, a tree and altar show up. There's a good, it's a good tree though. Yeah. It's right. It's 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 the difference between a good tree and a bad tree. You know, one of my favorite really kind of small hints is if you're reading the Bible, it's so, it's so crazy. You don't even notice it. But when the people are walking through the red sea and escaping Egypt, it says they looked in the water and they saw fruit trees in the water. Right. And you kind of think like, if you're reading it literally, you would think, why are there fruit trees in the water? But it's a symbol that, Oh, they're headed back to the garden. You know, they're making the right choice. If you see trees, you're making the right choice back to the garden of Eden. That's interesting. I I love it. So a tree is a reminder of which of the two ways are we going to choose the way of life or the way of selfishness. And I love the spiritual life is pictured as a tree where you have to push down your roots. And what is the fruit that we long to eat? The fruit where we define morality, which is just going to poison us or the fruit that is true goodness. So just the other thing, trees are also a symbol of memory. And I know that's a strange thing, but think about this. Every time the earth circles the sun, a tree adds a ring. They're one of the longest living things in the world. And, you know, we have trees that are still around as old as the birth of Christ. And trees only survive, uh, really thrive, I should say, in a community, Uh, especially if there's a diverse amount of trees they find they thrive better so trees are this symbol of holding our memories of what's important so i think that's kind of interesting and think about this saint peter what does he die on a tree just like his god judas also dies on a tree by suicide you know like he chose the wrong tree does that make any sense so you have all these themes of trees and trees it makes amazing sense and i think all i'm going to see now when i read the bible is trees trees oh, and tree trees and water mind. yeah i'm yeah. i'm just going to be you know i'm going to be mesmerized by the trees but and you it, said you said one thing father len that i don't know that i could i can com- completely understand you said that we should eat from the cross from the cross of jesus i right. I, I assume can you kind of explain that a little bit yeah yeah that's so thank you for bringing me back that So what humanity is waiting for in the Old Testament is not just the Christ, but they're waiting for the bread of life. They're they're waiting for the spiritual food that we've been denied, that we're meant to have right from the beginning. So uh, that spiritual food is sometimes called the Lamb of God, other times called the bread from heaven, the bread of life. And, you know, like the Garden of Eden, there's this one tree that this fruit has the presence of God's life in it. And so remember, when Christ chooses to die is not on the cross. It's actually at the Last Supper where he offers his body and blood to the disciples. That's actually when he made the choice to die. 
And what does he do? He feeds them. So the cross has the body of Christ on it. And what we Catholics celebrate every mass is the body of Christ. We're eating from the tree of life. We're eating from the cross. And architecturally, it kind of plays out that like in the Catholic church, there's only supposed to be uh, one cross in every church. And that one cross symbolizes the tree of life that's in the very center of heaven that was in the center of the Garden of Eden. So if I said there is a tree in every Catholic church, you'd say, oh, I know what he means. He means the cross because technically like the word wood, tree are the same thing in Hebrew. They, ah, in the center of every Catholic church, there's a tree. Well, I, I have to admit, Father Len, that you mentioned that to me months ago, that in every Catholic church, there's a tree. And ever since, I've been looking for the tree. But I was looking for a living tree, you know, with some kind of foliage on it and, right. you know, a typical tree. And I could not find it. And I was too embarrassed to, to tell you that, you know, I can't find the tree. Where is the tree, Father Len? Well, and you know where the tree is? Uh, do you know how I said there's always this theme of tree and altar, tree and altar, tree and altar? So we call that cross in the church, we call it the altar cross, not because it's on the altar. It's supposed to be next to or above the altar. So when you see the altar, it's in your light of sight that, oh, tree and altar and eating. So I, I, I love that. We well, eat from well, the now right I, tree. Well, now I know. The, I know I, the tree I that I'm, I, I, you know, now I know what the tree is, Father Len. So, yeah, I, I've, I've, you know, with your help, I finally understand it. You know what else I really love about trees is I, like if you study ancient human beings, trees play a real role in this idea of trees are where people make commitments. Look in the Basque culture with the tree of Guernica, or I don't know if you know this with the Irish culture, trees were a big symbol. Every clan had a one sacred tree. And like your marriage rite, if you're Irish, you would go to that sacred tree and that's where the couple would make their commitment. Whether it's a tree of Guernica or, and you find this in so many cultures that, wow, trees are places where people make commitments. I've seen, now that you mention it, that scene with the couple being married, making the commitment, whatever, under a tree. I've seen a lot of that. Now I have more of an understanding of what that is and what that represents. That's and think about this. We still have it. Catholics come, they stand before the altar under a tree. Under a, cross, a tree. The cross and with Christ on it. Yep. Uh, whether it's baptism or every week commitment. So uh, throughout your life, week after week, you're making, okay, I'm going to choose this way. Does that mean, I just think it's uh, this beautiful image that gets fulfilled in heaven, architecturally. Uh, it's awesome. I, you know, I can't wait. I, I will be noticing trees forever all over the place and, and what they represent. But I can't wait for our, the next one of these episodes in our series about symbols. Each time you do one of these, I, I really see what you mean by grabbing your gut and your heart. It's a whole different kind of sense than just the intellectual reading of the Bible. I mean, it, it just adds a whole nother dimension, which is really powerful. So and I was like, like, this is wrestling with God's show. So think about this. Every week, you have to stand before the tree and ask yourself, mm, am, I, am I choosing the right tree? I like that. That's a great way to finish this off. 
Well, hopefully I will choose the right tree. I know you always do, Father. <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we welcome your comments and questions about our series on symbols or anything else we talk about here on the Wrestling With God show. It's really easy to get those to us. You just head over to our website. It's www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com, and you click on the questions button. And by the way, the, the previous episode we did is episode 45 about water. And if you haven't heard it, I think you will, and you, you enjoyed this one, you will find it equally fascinating, intriguing, and enlightening. So we also hope that you will share your favorite episodes uh, with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people discover us. And, and by the way, subscribing to our podcast is free. You know, some people might, you know, think that subscription means pay. You pay for magazines and that kind of stuff. Ours is totally free. And the nice thing about it is if you subscribe, you will always get a notification when we publish a new episode. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.